after building this for seven years, actually within one year, we went back to five people. Most people and projects left because they were not happy, because they didn't see any progress, and they didn't see where we were going. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. Today's episode is sponsored by the Valuation Masterclass Online, the complete, proven, step-by-step -step online course to guide you from novice to valuation expert. Podcast listeners can claim your amazing 35% discount by going to myworstinvestmentever.com slash deals. My name is Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Investment Research, and I'm here with featured guest Simon Durant. Simon, are you ready to rock? Yeah, let's do this. <laughs> All right. So let me give the audience a little bit of uh, background on you. With a background in business economics, IT, and logistics, Simon has been living in Asia since 2011. He's now managing partner of Mainz International, co-founder of DigiDutch, and investor in cross-border solutions. He helps companies understand the whole supply chain from beginning to end so that they can add more value in that supply chain. The starting point of his entrepreneurial success in China has been building an outbound mail solution for one of his customers from scratch. This led him into various businesses related to inbound trading. Simon, take a minute and fill any further tidbits about your life. Well, that's quite an intro introduction, Andrew. Thanks for that. Yeah, so it's been a quite a journey. I've been in China, based in China for nine years. And that was my, basically my dream. My dream started in 2007 to come and work in China. And it took three years to get to actually the position of putting myself in that position. So, um, yeah, I think China itself has been a huge impact on my personal development, on my career, and also the position China plays globally and is going to play in the future has been a huge investment for me because I want to be active in international business, in international trading and, and logistics. So, yeah, that's the journey. You have to always make a plan for yourself where you want to go to. And for me, it was being active in different cultures and being active international. That's pretty exciting. I know I felt the same way about Thailand in 1992. I was 26 years old and I came to Thailand thinking, you know, at that time, China was really not open so much. So Thailand was a booming economy. And I just thought, I always say to my friends, at the great song in America is New York, New York. And I thought to myself about Bangkok, if I could make it there, I'd make it anywhere. <laughs> so I know that excitement. I just, I have one little question I want to ask you before we get into the, the story. And that is like, What's something for the listeners out there who have never been to China or don't know much about China, what's kind of something that, that you learned from that time that you've had in China that maybe something that you didn't, was unexpected or you didn't realize? Or give us some insight from what you've learned from all those years. What I really like about China or what I li like about just globally going to any country is the way people look at the same thing through different eyes. So the Chinese culture is quite pragmatic. They can use a washing line or a cup for so many purposes that I've never imagined that it could be used for. 
just because you're educated in a, I'm educated in a Western way. I'm from the Netherlands originally. So I'm trained to look at things the way things have been taught. And here it's much more, one thing can be a lot of things. And that really opens up my mind still every day. I see how people are hanging up their laundry. It's like, huh? You can only use that for laundry. Interesting. <laughs> like really small things, but still it creates a lot of creativity and, and inspiration to me to not take things for granted and be able to open, open-minded to it. Also, conversations with Chinese, just the way to listen and to clarify because Western way of thinking is quite, you hear, you think, and you try to respond immediately during the conversation. But actually, what I try to do here is much more listening and summarizing, did I get it right? And quite often, I didn't get it right. Just because you have already assumptions in your mind that will help you to to get to your, your answer. So it's very, uh, yeah, it's, it's very uh, interesting for me to do and be active in, in different cultures like this, yeah. I love the idea. I mean, the idea is that each of us are raised with certain framework or a frame of reference that's set by our own culture and our own country. And as I've traveled around the world, I like to say nowadays that it's all made up. Yeah. You know, we are all human and we are raised in a certain environment that makes up all of the rules for the way that we think and that we interact. And then you just go to another place and those people have been brought up under completely different made up rules by that society. And once you start to realize that, I think, you know, you smash your frame of reference. And I think that's probably one of the most powerful thing that I got from coming to Thailand. And I think what you're expressing going to China is that once you smash that, you know, it forces you to think about things in different ways or it challenges you to do that. And that's, to me, that's part of the reason why I wanted to come to Thailand was to see a different way. Yeah. The two key words for me that always came up is accepting and expecting. If you expect something to happen, then it's also easier to accept. So, but also a bit more difficult to accept if it doesn't happen the way you expected it. Mm. So actually you should look away, step away from expecting and much more on accepting whatever comes your way. That will make your life much easier because if you expect to come on time, you will already be, you feel very nervous. Yeah. Or when you are expecting a certain outcome, it will also go against you. So it's being much more flexible and, and accepting whatever comes on the way. It might not go as planned, but yeah, that's part of the journey. And that's also the part of the mindset of the people you deal with. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story. So like I said before, it took me three years to actually make my dream happen to start working and living in China. So I finally went on a holiday to look for a job, got a job, worked there, and after six months heard that they would close down the company. So I ended up with nothing again. So I started tapping into my network, find a job, and got introduced to someone at Mainz International, which I'm still there, and I also became a co-founder. What I'm trying to share today is actually more to help other entrepreneurs and other leaders to prepare themselves for something that, for growth. Because that's really what's something that really I ran into and it took a big part of my, of my life. Just to give you a little bit of the beginning of how it all went. 
I always worked for corporate companies, and these corporate companies had clear structures, rules, regulations, etc. So then I went into Mainz International, where it was just me and my Chinese colleague. So it was the two of us. And basically, all the existing business was gone. So we had to start from scratch. And it was really from scratch. And we started to make uh, progress about after a year and a half. So when the business grows, you also start to recruit people and you start to grow. And year by year, we suddenly had 12 people. So from two to 12 in I think five or six years. And that was really, all these people, they were hired, not because there was a certain, they take over a job, there was no existing. So it was always a new, new created job based on opportunity. So it's really unstructured, it's really entrepreneurial. Hey, that's an opportunity. Okay, let's go take it. So by the end, there were 12 people there. And maybe as you know, and there's also many books about this, once you go from eight to more, you have to get more structure in place, more leaders in place. So I put in um, some managers in between, and I slowly saw everything slowly start to fall apart. It was every person was working on their own island. The way I sketch it is basically... I have a garden and each in the garden, there are different garden houses and they all operate by themselves, but no one is coming to the main house to come together. So everyone had their own independent business thinking, way of working. So that really created a lot of stress and also a lot of loss of momentum and slowed down the progress in a lot of projects. And like you said, like uh, I'm really a person that really likes to work in harmony and also believe in everyone's potential. So I was really focused on the people itself and trust that they will do their best efforts. And this is actually the key thing that I want to share is that after building this for seven years, actually within one year, we went back to five people. Most people and projects left because they were not happy because they didn't see any progress and they didn't see where we were going. So a lot of the questions, yeah, but I don't know my role and responsibilities. So it was very painful to see. So all the people that I really fought for to get them to in the company, to get them to grow, to get them excited, was gone within one year, maybe less than one year. And that was really, really painful. I really had, yeah, I, I cried many times for, over this because I really see them as my family. Hmm. You really get close to them. So that was very painful, actually, to see them stop believing while I believed so much in them. And that was really made me think on how, how what, what did I do wrong? And how could I invest my time? Because that's what this whole podcast is about. I mean, worst investment in time is, is maybe even a bigger, a bigger worst investment than Absolutely. a money investment. Because money you can create. Yeah, you can create new money, but time, you cannot get it back anymore. Yeah. So that was really something that was uh, a journey, quite a journey. So let's talk about what you learned from that. Yeah, what I learned from that, we really went back to the basics. We went back to creating the structure, what we want, to really define the roles and responsibility to assign to each person. And one book uh, that really helped me was from Michael E. Gerber. It's called E-Myth Revisited. He basically also said, if you're just a solopreneur, you're just by yourself, Maybe it's there in the background, yeah. Oh, yes, I have that one. That's a great book. Yeah, and just even if it's just you, define all the roles that you might have in your company and then assign these roles into a person, which can be you, or if you scale, you assign it to another person. In this way, you get much more clear on 
where you want to go and what every person's tasks and responsibilities are without creating any confusion. And for me, Jim Collins also said it's about the people on the bus. Well, for me, if the bus doesn't work, there's nowhere you can go. <laughs> you don't even know where you're going. Yep. So for us, the bus was broken. Right. And the people were fine, but it was the bus that was broken. So we had to fix the bus and make sure the bus was properly maintained and ready to go and also to go different directions than maybe the original destination. Mm. And, and then the structure, put the structure in place first. And within that structure, you let the people grow and you let your team to develop themselves and give them freedom within that structure. But if there's no boundaries to that freedom, it becomes, it went out of hand, basically. Yeah. Got it. All right. And uh, let me uh, summarize what I took away from your story and let me know if, if I missed anything. One of the best teachers I've had over the years is a guy named Dr. Deming. And he taught about the idea that best efforts aren't enough. And he also talked about the idea of, you know, that senior management's job is to set the aim of the system. And the system must have an aim. Otherwise, everybody's just working, but you never get to where you want to go. And I've learned in my career that you can take some of the best people and put them together, but without without some concerted effort to get them to work together towards a common goal, you're never going to really achieve much. They're all going to work very hard. You know, particularly, let's say you get good people that are sincere and they're smart, they're hardworking, they know their part, but if they don't see how their part interacts with the rest of the organization, then they never really, you never really create something great. So that's kind of the, the first takeaway. The second one is, you know, small business, it's hard, you know, going from a large business to a small business is very hard because in a small business, there is no structure. There is no human resource department. There is no guidelines. You're making it up as you go along. And if you don't have tools like the E-Myth, Michael Gerber, or Scaling Up, Vern Harnish, or others like that, you know, you're creating chaos more than you're creating, you know, something of value. And then the last thing that I thought about was the idea of confidence. Ultimately, people go to work for you because they're confident in you and your vision. And if you fail to communicate that, not only are they not working together, but they also would eventually lose confidence. And that once that confidence is lost, all is lost. Those are some of my thoughts. What do you think? Yeah, it's all textbook. And that's also why I feel so stupid that it happened to me because you studied it and you know about it and it's available to you. But the reality is once you've experienced it, then it becomes much more real. And that's really the biggest thing. Sometimes you can learn from a textbook, but to be able to, to learn, to experience it yourself, that's the real life experience. Yeah. And um, for that part, I'm very grateful because it happened to me earlier in my career and not later in my career. And it can only be beneficial for the future. But yeah, these books have a lot of wisdom in it, but to apply it, I mean, reading a book is one thing, but to apply it. And, and what I see is that it's not just me. I, I heard other entrepreneurs struggling with it as well. They also like, oh my God, business is going really well. But I get so many questions, people not knowing what to do or how to respond or how to act, just because they're not sure whether that they're the ones responsible to make that decision and whether that should be them or someone else. Yep. So you end up in endless meetings and conversations and time differences killing the business in our sense because then 
you have time this in the Europe, Asia, or anywhere in the world. And that doesn't help with the customer experience as well. So it's really uh, empowering the people within the structure. And these books mm. that, you, that you mentioned, I will check out Dr. Denham for sure. Yeah, um, and so the other one I talked about was Scaling Up, which I think is a great book. The other one that I would mention that really had an impact on me was called Beating the Odds in Small Business. I just looked it up. Beating the Odds in Small Business, the author is Tom Culley, C-U-L-L-E-Y. I'll put the links to that and other books that we mentioned in the show notes. But this book basically, it was a slap in the face when we started our coffee business because he said, you know, your friends who are working in the big business world, they have cash, they have this, they have that, and you're not in it. And you're not invited to it as a small business person. You know, and he basically said, you're going to fail. And the only way you're possibly going to survive is if you try to follow, you know, these basic things. And that book really helped kind of, it was a great wake up call. So it's a good, good reminder. Yeah. So let's, yeah, let's now, sure. let's now think about that young person out there who's getting ready to start their business. And I'm going to ask you this question based on what you learned from this story and what you continue to learn, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate? To take your time and define the structure of the company. Think about what roles do you need to be able to be successful. Do you need a, a finance person? Do you need an HR? You always need at least these two. <laughs> and do you need customer service or operational? What kind of operational? Really come up with the task because you, the task that belongs to that role and the responsibility that comes with it. So really have a role in responsibility matrix and that will help you to actually clarify what it is that that person needs to be doing. And in the beginning, it will be you doing it yourself. So you also can switch your hats during the day. So from nine to 10, I'm a finance director. From 10 to 11, I'm an HR. I'm developing myself or developing, looking at what my team members need to develop. So actually taking this quite serious and writing it down in operational procedures. And I think you also have a course about that to create a scorecard, to make things measurable mm. and to be able to create the guidelines for, and, and standardize it. I always felt like all these handbooks, why do you need all these handbooks? And then I was like, my God, this is actually very powerful because you don't have to talk so much. <laughs> you can actually take a look at it. And if you don't understand it, you're not passionate enough about the job. Mm and implement it based on your vision and based on the values of the company. And yep. Great. For me, it's really to take the time and think about what your company stands for and not just take it a step at a time. Yeah. There's also another podcast that I would recommend called Work the System. And I listen to that one and it's about, you know, building the systems into your business. It's a little bit like helping you implement what Michael Gerber, you know, talks about. All right. Last question. What's your number one goal for the next 12 months? So my goal is now to create a healthy morning routine because I really noticed that if I don't take care of myself, I cannot take care of others. And what happened is during that time, I was so obsessed by what happened within the company that I kind of neglected myself and my own health. And I think it's very important that if you go into an airplane, the first one, and you're sitting with your kids, if there's an accident, what falls down is the mask to put on your face put it on yourself first before someone else, because you cannot help anyone if you don't take care of yourself. So my morning routine has been quite uh, disciplined in the last few uh, months 
just to be able to make sure I'm ready for whatever comes during the day. That's great. I've worked on morning routines for many years, and I would also recommend an app that's called Habit Share. And Habit Share is an app that allows you to set up your daily habits, get a reminder, but also share that with one other person so that you've got somebody and you're encouraging each other. Yeah. It's a great. I'm using Success Wiz. Success Waves is, uh, is impressive, but does it have the social sharing aspect where people see? Because that's, so. that's the ultimate mm -hmm. thing that really helps me is knowing that I'm sharing that with someone every day automatically. Yeah. They're sharing it with yeah. me. So, yeah. and you know, it's a little bit, Success Waves is a pretty powerful thing, but this is, you know, one thing that just like, what's that one thing you want to make sure you do it? And that app helps me. All right. Listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. To find more stories like this, previous episodes, and resources to help you reduce your risk, visit myworstinvestmentever.com. As we end, Simon, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. I know it's painful talking about our losers, but our listeners are learning to win as a result. And I want to congratulate you for being one of the brave ones who has turned your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Well, in times of the coronavirus and spreading all over the world, everyone, please stay safe and be prepared because we don't know what's going to come tomorrow. Stay safe and be prepared. Great advice. Well, that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and most importantly, protect our well fellow risk takers. I'll see you on the upside.